and the killer might still be out there, watching her. She remained completely still for about a minute, until she was certain there was nobody in the woods. She heard the rustling again and saw a fox making its way through the undergrowth. Now that she was at the scene, Lorraine's training kicked in. She was wary of disturbing anything, so she kept her distance. Much as she wanted to move in closer and examine the body, see if it was someone she knew, she restrained herself. There was nothing she could do, she told herself. The way he, for it was definitely a man, was kneeling with his body bent forward, head touching the ground like a parody of a Muslim at prayer. There was no way he was still alive. The best thing she could do was stay here and protect the scene. Murder or not, it was definitely a suspicious death. And whatever she did, she must not screw up now. Cursing the pain that rippled through her leg whenever she moved, Lorraine fumbled for her mobile in her jeans pocket and phoned Eastvale Police Station. There was something about Bach that suited the early morning perfectly, DCI Alan Banks thought as he drove out of Gratley towards the St. Peter's Police Convalescence and Treatment Centre, four miles north of East Vale, shortly after dawn that morning. He needed something to wake him up and keep his attention engaged, get the old grey cells buzzing, but nothing too loud, nothing too jarring or emotionally taxing. Alina Ibragimova's CD of Bach's sonatas and partitas for violin was just right. Bach both soothed and stimulated the mind at once. Banks knew St. Peter's. He had visited Annie Cabot there several times during her recent convalescence. Just a few short months ago, he had seen her in tears trying to walk on crutches, and now she was due back at work on Monday. He was looking forward to that. Life had been dull for the past while without her. He took the first exit from the roundabout and drove alongside the wall for about a hundred yards, before arriving at the arched entrance and turning left on the tarmac drive. There was no gate or gatehouse, but the first officers to arrive on the scene had quite rightly taped off the area. A young PC waved Banks down to check his ID and note his name and time of entry on a clipboard before lifting the tape and letting him through. Driving up to the car park was like arriving at a luxury spa hotel, Banks had always thought when he visited Annie. It was no different today. St. Peter's presented a broad south-facing façade at the top of the rise that led down to the lake and surrounding woods. Designed by a firm of Leeds architects, with Vanborough in mind, and built of local stone in the late 19th century, it was three stories high, had a flagged portico, complete with simple Doric columns at the front, and two wings, east and west. Though not so extensive as some other local examples, the grounds were landscaped very much in the style and spirit of Capability Brown, with the lake and woods and rolling lawns. There was even a folly. To the west, beyond the trees and lawns, the outlines of Swainsdale's hills and fells could be seen, forming a backdrop of what the Japanese called borrowed scenery, which merged nature with art. The forensic team had got there before Banks, which seemed odd until he remembered that a detective inspector had made the initial call. Kitted out in disposable white coveralls, they were already going about their business. 
The crime scene photographer, Peter Darby, was at work with his battered old Nikon SLR and his ultra-modern digital video recorder. Most SOCOs, or CSIs as they now like to be called, also took their own digital photos and videos when they searched the scene. But though Peter Darby accepted the use of video, he shunned digital photography as being far too susceptible to tampering and error. It made him a bit of a dinosaur, and one or two of the younger techies cracked jokes behind his back. He could counter by boasting that he had never had any problems with his evidence in court, and he never lost an image because of computer problems. D.I. Lorraine Jensen stood with two other people about five or six yards away from the body, a lone, hunched figure resting her weight on a crutch by the water's edge and jotting in her notebook. Banks knew her slightly from a case he had worked a few months ago.